0: Hi, and welcome to Listen Up, A Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that's going to be a gas. (laughs) I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions.
1: And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. Together, we have worked our way through the good, the bad, and the reality bending of the MCU, and we are back.
0: So, listen up, A Holes. We're going to talk about WandaVision Season 1. Well, Lonnie, this is an Mm -hmm. oft-heard refrain that you haven't heard in a while. Um, (laughs) As we get deeper into the MCU, these four-color facts get more complicated.
1: Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I have already covered a lot of the stuff that you might want to hear about if you haven't Mm -hmm. listened to all the other pods. So I'm going to do a real quick, you know, roundup of where Mm -hmm. you can find these things. So you can hear about Wanda, Pietro, and the Vision in our 32nd episode on Age of Ultron. I briefly mentioned Billy and Tommy in that episode also. We might talk about them a little bit more today, but largely I'm going to try and avoid it for multiple reasons. Agatha Harkness gets a bit of love in that episode also, but since she's the sensational character find of 2021, I will never shut up about her in this episode of our podcast. (laughs) I discussed Jimmy Woo and his Agents of Atlas in our 58th episode about Ant-Man and the Wasp. I very briefly discussed Monica Rambeau in our 59th episode on Captain Marvel, and I'd still prefer to wait until she has a proper debut to really go into her superhero background. But we may discuss how that might have been the case in WandaVision, if not for this pandemic. Mm -hmm. I discussed the 616 version of S.W.O.R.D. that has an entirely different remit in our 67th episode on the first 10 episodes of the fifth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., (laughs) And we kicked around the dark hold in our 64th episode dealing with the first eight episodes of Agents of of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season four. Links to those episodes will be in the show notes, apparently. (laughs) Just in case you haven't heard it all before. Now, with all that away, having covered all of that, I wasn't sure what people would want to know about for Four Color Facts. So I turned to Lonnie and I asked her and she had two and a half big questions (laughs) for me. So, I'm going to tackle the easy one first. And the easy one was Has Vision died in the comics? And the answer is Holy shit, so many times. <laughs> so, let's chat about those times in a segment I call Vision Rest in Pieces. <laughs> So the first time, Vision takes so much damage from fighting a Nihilist that he shuts down. He's still technically functional in his mind, although his body is immobile. He has to communicate through a hologram version of himself. So this probably isn't technically a death, even for a synthesoid, But listen, we're establishing a pattern. Okay. Yeah. The next one is definitely as close to a death as a synthesoid can manage, both physically and existentially earlier before this happened vision had gone a little unstable and taken over all the computer systems in the world especially the military ones in a bid Mm -hmm. for world peace when he realized what a bad look this was he stopped but then he lied about what exactly he was doing and resigned Mm -hmm. from the avengers so nobody would ask any more questions Wow. Most people bought it, but not everyone. (laughs) And when Vision rejoined the West Coast Avengers, those that didn't buy it swooped into action. They disassembled him entirely and wiped his memory clean. Wow. The Avengers put him back together, but he had lost all of the skin pigmentation. And this is the source of the white Vision look in the show, is actually from this time, which is also when I started reading West Coast Avengers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I picked up West Coast Avengers specifically because it was like Vision Quest. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. what they called it. God help them. <laughs> Big, scary, white version of Vision on the cover. And when you open to the first page, it's a full page. That's his like robot face all disassembled. And I was like, you got oh me, West God. Coast Avengers. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> so as I say, the Avengers put them back together and they were able to reinstall one of his memory backups. But what they couldn't give the Vision was the emotional connection to those memories. This is digging in the Wayback Machine, but you may recall that Ultron originally stole the brainwave patterns of Simon Wonderman Williams to serve as Vision's initial emotional matrix. When Vision was rebuilt, they asked Simon if they could make another copy, and he said no, (laughs) because he had not been consulted the first time, and it kind of squicks him out.
1: I don't blame him at all. Yeah, it's yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it's completely reasonable reaction, I think. Mm-hmm. Eventually, some other stuff happened, and the Vision got another human's emotional matrix reintegrated because his OS honestly doesn't work without one. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just tell you that that sentence is carrying a lot of continuity water, <laughs> so let's just keep rolling. <laughs> Vision was also apparently killed by Onslaught, an X-Men villain of immense power that I absolutely refuse to get into here. Mm -hmm. But I say apparently killed because in reality, Franklin Richards, the child of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman, who is himself a mutant of terrifyingly great power, saved the Avengers and his family from Onslaught by shunting them into a universe that he created just for them. Mm hmm. Eventually, they all came home, so he wasn't technically dead. But, you know, (laughs) he was very different while he was in Franklin's uh, pocket universe. He was a much more robotic version of himself Uh and did not appreciate those memories when he came back. So, (laughs) Okay. Wanda accidentally destroys Avengers Mansion, the Avengers as a team, and causes the Vision to be ripped apart by a She-Hulk that she had enraged with her out-of-control reality warping powers. Wow. Yeah, She-Hulk gets mad. That's really her cousin's deal, but this was mm-hmm. she got mad, she got stronger, and she just ripped Vision into pieces. Pretty friggin' dead. <laughs> but he is kind of reborn when he merges with the armor of Iron Lad of the Young Avengers and becomes a teenage version of himself. Yes, really. Wow. But he does not take this opportunity to call himself Kid Vision, which is a goddamn shame. <laughs> original flavor vision, in as much as there is one at this point, mm-hmm. returns from the dead for the chaos war along with a bunch of other dead Avengers and despite being dead already blows himself up to end the battle thus killing himself again while already deceased pretty damned impressive if you ask me yeah mm-hmm. he's going for it, you know <laughs> Kid vision dies along with Cassie Lang, his girlfriend in a battle both for and against Wanda.
1: I know Cassie Lang.
0: That's right. That's
1: Ant Man's kid.
0: That's right. She eventually gets some superpowers and a superpowered identity, and she joined the Young Avengers, and she and Kid Vision made out.
1: But This is so soap opera. The, oh, I know we've made the connection before, but the storytelling in comics and soap operas, there's just not a lot of daylight between them.
0: There absolutely is not. Mm-hmm. I will remind you again that some of the men who created Marvel Comics also basically invented romance comics. So yes. <laughs> they know what side their bread is buttered on for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they both die, like I say, in a battle both for and against Wanda that Dr. Doom is also around for. It's very complicated. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the young Avengers decide not to bring Kid Vision back with a memory backup because, frankly, nobody wants to tell him about his dead girlfriend.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Nobody wants to deliver that news. Come on. Mm -hmm. Later, Tony rebuilds the, again, air quotes, original Vision, except... Even later than that, Vision engages evolution protocols that Ultron had installed in him, and now he's a colony of nanobots. Mm-hmm. Did that version of Vision die to give birth to the nanobot version of Vision? Even the ship of Theseus has given the fuck up wondering. <laughs> in wow. an unexpected twist, Vision is damaged so badly that while he isn't destroyed, he does stop regenerating and his mm-hmm. nano core, like his core processing unit, is damaged to the point of slowly degrading, almost like human aging.
1: Yeah, I can sympathize with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whew. Yeah, the off mic, <laughs> I'm in my 40s, something is wrong with me conversation <laughs> right. rears its ugly head. <laughs> Vision decides that this is a good situation because he believes that humanity's finite lifespan is what gives them urgency and importance. Mm -hmm. However, later he meets Conan. Yes, as in the barbarian. Who tells Vision that it is humanity's constant striving to live that sets them apart. And then Mm -hmm. some other stuff happens and Vision is restored so he's no longer aging. And now we're all just waiting around for him to die again. Honestly, if I were the Avengers, I'd run a pool. It's only a matter of time.
2: Aww. Okay. Poor so, Vision.
0: Yeah, yeah. Poor mm. Vision. So dead so often. Uh, <laughs> but he's a robot. He's going to come back. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. There is, I will not go into it, but just, you know, anybody who's interested, there is a DC counterpart to this. The Red Tornado is a robot with a consciousness that is not entirely robotic. And he blows the mm-hmm. fuck up constantly. Like, it's a joke <laughs> at this point. Okay, now the other one and a half big questions, okay? Mm -hmm. So first, this is kind of the half big question, I think, is that, Lonnie, you asked what stories WandaVision was based on.
1: Right. The Mm -hmm. other
0: full big question is you asked if when Vision died, because I intimated that he died at least once without giving away that it was several dozen times. (laughs) You asked if when he died, did they do a story about Wanda's grief? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, as for the stories that WandaVision is based on, there isn't one. Okay. I mean, there isn't one. It's more (laughs) like it's based on a wide swath of different stories that are literally scattered across 30 years. And even then, Mm -hmm. it's honestly more like tone and theme that that gets borrowed rather than actual plot. You've got Wanda and Vision moving to Leonia, New Jersey to try and live as a normal couple in The Vision and Scarlet Witch, which runs from Mm -hmm. the early to mid-80s. You've got a slow, creeping horror under a suburban veneer from a more recent series from Tom King called The Vision. But Wanda's not Mm -hmm. even in that one.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Vision tries to make himself a family of other visions. It it goes Mm -hmm. great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's no problems at all. It's very low
0: conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got all kinds of random stuff where Wanda creates kids from thin air and then loses mm-hmm. those kids and forgets they existed. And she loses vision a couple of times as discussed and more scattered across at least two or three adventure series. To So to help any of you who want to read some of that, I'm going to put my good friend Sarah Century's article in the show notes. It's the best of mm-hmm. the Scarlet Witch, and you'll find it there. Again, it's scattered all over creation. But I mentioned that article specifically because that leads into the question about feminine grief and have they done a story about that? And the answer Mm -hmm. is no, they have not done that story, Mm -hmm. except they have. It's just not usually mainly about Wanda, right? So quoting from the preamble that Sarah wrote for that best of list, she says, so this is me quoting Sarah. There are huge swaths of Avengers lore in which she's either quietly hanging out in the background or the emphasis is on her relationship with the Vision, or her complicated dynamic with Magneto and Quicksilver. In short, most of Wanda's stories aren't really her own, including many of the ones that are important to read to understand her evolution. There are many stories like Avengers Disassembled, which changed the course of her life forever, but in which she barely makes an appearance.
1: Why am I not surprised?
0: Well, (laughs) it is really interesting, right?
2: Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and... And I could I could do a whole thing, you know, about Mm -hmm. how it's a little bit soap opera and it's a little bit written by a bunch of dudes and it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. malevolent, but that doesn't make it good or okay, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And this kind of feeling is why I was so aghast when the first thing that I saw people recommending for people who liked WandaVision was a story like House of M. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, yes, the basis for House of M is Wanda in her grief, creating an alternate reality, but it's not mm-hmm. really about her. In the end, it's a story about like Wolverine and Magneto and Quicksilver and mm-hmm. and and she's really the MacGuffin in that story. Mm-hmm. So, in short, no, WandaVision is essentially the first story that has actually centered Wanda's grief as opposed to using it merely as a plot device for men to run around doing things with. At for and to her,
1: wow. Okay, uh, that to me makes this feel like even more of like a, a big moment for the MCU. Is having, you know, I was talking to my daughter as I was watching WandaVision. Like, it's kind of the first MCU story that is actually a woman's story. I mean, we have Jessica Jones, we have some like female characters. There's Black Widow. But the stories that we've told have not been there. It's been their stories through a very, very masculine story lens, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Um, and I think Agent Carter, I think you've got an argument that Agent Carter has a has a feminine story lens, um, even though she's surrounded by men all the time. Um,
0: I mean, I think that's a key to some of her her feminine lens is that she has to deal with all these men's bullshit. All these
1: freaking men in a man's world, you know, Um, so but this is a story about grief. I mean, definitely just grief in general, but a very specific experience of feminine grief, you know, a feminine lens telling grief through a feminine lens story. And I think that that's really, really interesting. Um, So uh, some production details about WandaVision season one aired from January 15th, 2021 to March 5th, 2021. Uh, The show creator is Jack Schaefer. Don't let the name fool you. That is a woman who also wrote and directed (laughs) Timer starring Emma Caulfield who plays Dottie here and was the uh, lovely Anya on Buffy. Um, and uh, she plays Dottie here in uh, in WandaVision. And uh, there's a ton of writers whose names I don't recognize. Most of these people are fairly new, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the roster they've got. These stories are, I think, consistently well written. I was trying to think, is there an episode that I didn't care for, that I didn't enjoy, that I didn't find interesting? And I don't think that there was. Um, part of that, I think, because of the the incredible wide range of aesthetics that are mm-hmm. used, you know, um, in this story. We go from you know, Dick Van Dyke to Brady Bunch to uh, Family Ties, Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Modern Family. We have so many references in all of these stories, and live within those aesthetics, except when we don't. Except when yeah. we have a dissonant tone that creeps in underneath. Um, it's so. Beautifully done. And so interestingly, interestingly if that's a word, done. For me, I, I still find it when I watch it. I've, I've watched it a couple of times now that, um, that that tonal dissonance that comes in kind of underneath this sitcom veneer is so interesting the way that it's done usually when something is that tonally dissonant it's because somebody's not aware of what they're doing but Mm -hmm. here it is so incredibly deliberate it is a part of the overall aesthetic of the show um and so i'm wondering like how do you feel about the show overall what was your overall response to to this series or mini series whatever it's going to be with with wanda
0: well i just think it's it's honestly spectacular like um Mm -hmm. They, they, I think that they were smart with some of the way that they released it. I mean, first of all, the week-to-week release is uh, yeah. uh, both frustrating and exciting, right?
1: Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But they dropped
0: a couple of episodes at the beginning, which I think was a good choice. Because honestly, the first time that I watched the first episode, I didn't love it. Like, I was a little worried yeah. about what we were doing. Like, I was definitely convinced it was worth Hanging in there to find mm-hmm. out, but I was just like, is it is it always just gonna be recreating sitcoms with a weird yeah. under you know um mm-hmm. so so I, I was gently mistrustful, uh, but yes. then I could immediately watch the second one and I was like, oh i I see what you guys are doing that's yeah very clever. Mm-hmm. I do think that there and we'll talk more about this as we go, but I do think there are a couple of things that get dropped. At the very end, mm-hmm. but I also think that that's a pandemic problem. I think that uh, what from what I was reading, there were supposed to be at least another episode or two, and they oh, just yeah. they just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. They had to truncate it uh due to the because it was a broken shooting schedule and uh like like they stopped in the middle and had to come back
1: mm-hmm. yeah and and mm-hmm.
0: you know this changed the uh the the whole release schedule because Falcon and the winter Soldier was supposed to come out first.
1: Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think uh-huh.
0: that's a big, as big a deal, but I mean, mm-hmm. I think that it was harder to get that show finished, you know, because yeah. so much of this was actually done on sound stages and stuff. It was just a, a different production. Anyway, mm-hmm. so overall, love it. Absolutely love it, um, with just a couple of extremely minor caveats to- mm-hmm. way at the end. But yeah, yeah, A++. And also, not for nothing, yes, I think it's huge that this is not only... The first, like, really serious MCU offering. Well, okay. Actually, I think I'm going to say second for the feminine lens. Because I think Agent Carter okay. gets it. I think Agent Carter gets I would Carter qualify
1: it. Agent Carter. Yes. Mm-hmm, definitely. But,
0: and something you've talked a lot about on Still Pretty of late, mm-hmm. this is definitely the first MCU movie that looks trauma and grief in the face like it was a background radiation in Mm -hmm. uh in endgame but pretty pretty quickly endgame became about undoing it so we don't have to you know think about it as much like a really tense Mm -hmm. first act and then we stop thinking about it this never stops staring it in the face and the fact that it's Mm -hmm. also a very feminine look at grief and loss yeah tremendous for the mcu (laughs) and for this character since they've never really done this this specifically in the comics.
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting that they're telling this kind of story um, and telling it so well, um, especially given the experiences that we've had um, lately. You know, um, the MCU has actually been processing grief through Infinity War and Endgame. And, you know, um, considering that we are globally and especially in the United States going through a period of intense grief over the losses of so many people due to Mm -hmm. the pandemic, um, you know, as well as our lives as they were, you know, these stories are particularly... Particularly well-timed. And I, I find it interesting because we're not losing half of our population, um, but that's the deception of numbers. It doesn't matter. An unprecedented number of people are living through an unprecedented experience of loss. And, uh, you know, once again, as I've said a million times before, we process through our stories. Our stories serve so many human functions, you know, and one of them is allowing us to process um, our own experiences. Our own experiences can sometimes be too intense to look directly Mm. in the face, but we can ride through this with Wanda and it helps heal some of our own grief. Um, and right now, I mean, globally, you know, everyone has lost something. Like, even if it wasn't a loved one, people have lost jobs, they've lost income, the ability to go out and do things with their friends and family, a connection with people in their lives, the opportunity to leave their home and go to work without worrying <laughs> that's going to result in their illness or death or the illness or death of someone they love because they left the house. Um, and there's a lot of grief that was already ongoing, like before the pandemic hit. Um, you know, uh, we had the grief that, you know, I, I'm going to say for a, a good chunk of us in America that happened in the 2016 president election. Um, There is this wide um, cultural reckoning that has been happening, um, like the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter and so many things that for those of us who like, you know, had a lot of privilege and always meant well, um, you know, you come to realize that the world isn't what you thought it was. Mm. I remember tweeting at one point, "This isn't who we are," and I got a very like nice calling in on that. Um, it is exactly who we are. It's exactly who we've always been. If you actually look at our history, um, if you look at what we actually do um, and what we've actually done, yeah, this is a reckoning and it is way overdue. But with that, there becomes, you know, for for some of us, that sense of loss, that sense of ourselves as the villains in a story that we didn't didn't realize we were the villains in, maybe mm. unwitting, you know, maybe for those of us who are well-meaning, um, that can, that can be something of, uh, of a thing to wrestle with this grief and shame and self-loathing, you know? Um, so even before the pandemic hit, The world has been changing. It's been changing in a way that is necessary. It's a necessary reckoning. But with that comes a sense of of grief, even, you know, if it's if it's just a a sense of a loss of a world that never existed in the first place, Um, you know, and uh, and there's a lot of of. Work that has to be done with that, you know. Um, so when you think in terms of only the pandemic, the events of Infinity War and Endgame seem prophetic. But when you think in terms of reality, they're actually reactionary mm-hmm. um, and told from the experience of grief. And it has fine as it has finally hit. I think some of the more privileged among us. Um, but it's been telling that experience of grief from a powered perspective. Um, the superheroes, the literally empowered, were still helpless in the onslaught of a power for which they were so wholly outmatched that they just couldn't fight it. And now with WandaVision, we're seeing this experience of relentless waves of grief from a perspective that is empowered, but not fully Privileged, not fully empowered, you know? Um, And the nuances of feminine grief experienced through Wanda and Monica and to an extent, Agatha, um, told through the lens of a superhero world, is such a fascinating thing to me. And so when I saw it, I thought, it feels like a comic book, which is why I asked you, did they do? (laughs) Wanda vision, because it feels like a comic book. It has this um this very heightened sense of aesthetic, which I which I really love. But that is definitely something that pulls from comic books, which dabble in every kind of story. Absolutely. It's, it's the reason why I wanted to do the MCU because it spans, you know, uh, space opera and you know, historical, uh, you know, war stories and like everything in between. Uh so it's been really, really fun. But I I thought, oh, sure this was a series of comic books because it seems so completely pulled from that. And I was really surprised to find out uh, that it wasn't, that it hadn't been done, that this is a new idea for Wanda. She hadn't done a retro television comic book series.
0: No. I mean, in a way, it looks so obvious now that it exists. But again, like when you look at when you sort of look at Wanda in the Marvel Universe, she's around and she's a very powerful player. But for a variety of reasons, some kind of cultural and some just kind of the way stories work out. And again, you know, largely men writing it, she winds up kind of being a background character mm-hmm. or a supporting character in men's stories, even yeah. when it really ought to be about her. Like it and mm-hmm. and it and it winds up, um, like if there is a complaint, I think, to be had about WandaVision, it's probably that this is you know another story about a woman who is more powerful than everybody and she can't handle it and she goes nuts and tries to break reality like this comes up a right. shocking amount and it's a mm-hmm. it's a thing that she does a lot in the 616 yeah. like she's done it mm-hmm. three or four or five times you know mm-hmm. um to from again creating children out of thin air with her robot husband up to well fuck you I'll just rewrite reality three times <laughs> to my more or yeah. less liking yeah
1: I'm sorry. Are you saying that she's overpowered? Because I believe overpowered is not a thing. No, uh, absolutely not. For you? No, no,
0: no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. That's the, no, no. That's, that's my
1: argument for why too much power is bad sometimes. But anyway, we don't need to go back to that. Anybody who wants to hear us argue about that can go back to the uh, the Captain Marvel podcast. But
0: no, that's the that's the real joy. Actually, is that mm-hmm. it's not. There's no overpower because it's just an opportunity to tell these other stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um that mm-hmm. the the when she did House of M, she recreated the world with the mutants on top and her dad in charge. you know, like mm-hmm. there's there's subtext going on that she's the MacGuffin in that story, but that's what she does, and now we can look right. and see like, oh, would things be better if mutants were in charge instead of humans? No it's just differently <laughs> shitty right and um right. yeah and mm-hmm. I, I mentioned franklin richards did that once they did an entire like second line with the mm-hmm. called uh, called heroes reborn where we got to do kind of this alternate take on the avengers and the fantastic four and mm-hmm. the, most of the time these these big powerful characters are an opportunity to do what dc calls an else worlds or what what marvel often calls a what if um mm-hmm. But in this case, in this case, I think the reason it feels so much like a comic book to you is because they're doing the thing that I bitch about the MCU not having the guts to do so often, which Uh is take the real world problem and turn it into Mm -hmm. a metaphor that superheroes can deal with.
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's an actual superhero story. And I Uh, know I'm saying this about the MCU. We haven't had enough of those.
1: Right. 10 years, no, and I mean, I'm
0: still like, nah, we need some more superhero stories that are actually superhero stories. You know, that are
1: actually superhero that go stories hard that actually that. use the metaphor, yeah. yes, uh, to, to purpose, and I think that they really do here. Um, the feminine perspective I find really interesting. I mean, the MCU is, let's face it, a cishet white man's oh. game and has been for a very long time, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and the strong female characters, uh, Black Widow, Pepper Potts, Carol Danvers, are written from a male perspective, a perspective that is deeply influenced by power and privilege um and so like i said this and agent carter i think are the are the ones that tell the story from a feminine perspective but as i throw that out there i have to say like even though it's a feminine perspective that doesn't necessarily not mean it's not a like white feminine perspective yeah. because you know we still don't have we have a black woman who is you know important in this story i don't know if i'd go far enough to say Central. I think that she should be. She could be. She's got a grief story also happening. Um, and uh, and she is kind of the hero of the story because Wanda's the villain. Wanda's the protagonist, but Monica Rambeau is the hero.
0: Yeah, I think um, you're right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, so she is the hero of the story, even though she's not the protagonist. And we don't really see it from her perspective. Um, so it is nice you know, having a a Black character, let alone a Black woman in that role, which I really, really like. We have Jimmy Woo, you know, who's, who's there? Who's, you know, I, I love Randall Park. He's always fun <laughs> to see. I just find him incredibly charming. Um, and, and he was a lot of fun in this kind of trio with Monica and Darcy. Um, so there was a lot of fun to be had there. Uh, but you know, while we talk about how great it is that it's, it's feminine, you know, I want to acknowledge that it is also very white feminine. Um, and, and also speaking in, in a, a lot with that the lens of that privilege that comes with just being white in America, you know? Um, So that's not something to ignore. Um, I think that that's one of
0: the places that things fall off at the end for me is on Monica. Mm -hmm. I do think she was supposed to have a more robust ending to her arc or to her story. Mm -hmm. However, you know um, she doesn't really, I don't know. She does change clearly like Mm -hmm. physically, but I mean her mental space really stays the same. So I'm not sure arc is the right term, but I feel like Almost certainly we lost something in the episode that we didn't get that would have been more Monica focused. Now, would that have been very black woman centric? Maybe, maybe not. There's no way to know. Uh, But the fact Mm -hmm. that we don't really land as hard for Monica as I feel like the other episodes lead up to is, is one of the bobbled Balls that in is, the juggling it's the It's a disappointment. End. Yeah.
1: It's a disappointment. She is a hero. Um, and she's working very hard to save Wanda. Um, and I do, I like her. I like her strength. Um, when we see her wake up and she's coming back and she's in the room where her mother had been when she fell asleep five years ago, you know. <laughs> Why? Um, that is that is a whole experience that I just want to have with her. When that happened, and at the point in the story when that happened, I was like, I didn't even care about Wanda. I was like, oh, my God, you know. Um, and going through, um, you know, we don't experience Monica's grief except through a lens from Wanda. Um, and, you know, seeing Black women, women of color stories through the lens of a white woman is not necessarily the way, you know, ideally, it should be done. Um, but that said, this is Vision. This is the story that we're in. I like that we have um, Monica being the hero of this story. I would love to see her in her own story and a story that is owned by her and her experience. So that would be really, really
0: great. We're gonna. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know if it'll be Captain Marvel, so. too. She's I'm not so sure. Good. But yeah, we're we're gonna. I mean, she's yeah. somebody. Yeah, like six one six wise. She's somebody. She's six
1: one six somebody. I'm so glad yeah, hear it. we're I'm getting.
0: She's going to show up somewhere. Yeah,
1: that's very very good. Um, so going back to instead of talking about what this story doesn't do, let's talk about what it does do. Yeah. Um, and it it does this really interesting thing with the experience of trauma. Um, And and as someone who has been through like a a deeply traumatic experience, which took me years to recover from, um, this so accurately expresses the experience of post-traumatic existence um, that I feel like it really has to be deliberate. The, the experience of splitting into two people, there's the one who knows and the one who gets through the day. Um, the one who knows is conscious, is aware, knows what's going on, but has no control. Uh, that knowledge becomes weirdly inaccessible to the part of you that just gets through the day. Um, and even Wanda, whose magic created this whole thing, can't remember where they got married, what happened before. Mm. Um, she's in this experience with vision. In the beginning, in the first episode, neither one of them knows what's going on. Um, and the thing is, is that like my my personal experience with trauma, uh, um, uh, something that I noticed, which was so odd and yet so deeply fascinating to me mm-hmm. when I was conscious of it happening is the way that trauma swallows memories. Like it actually, it's like a black cloud just consuming the memories, and you think about it, and then, as soon as you look away, it just gets consumed um, and i 've actually had experiences where I had to write thoughts down as I was having them mm-hmm. in order to remember them later because the the trauma would just swallow them if it came too close to the the thing that had traumatized me um, and that moment in the first episode when neither one of them can remember, but they 're just going on like it 's just a normal day. the fact that they can 't remember isn't something that either of their psychologies will allow them to access. They're together and they're here and they're happy and that's enough. Um, it's, so, it's so interesting to me because it really did. I mean, at least in my experience, it really did split me into two entities. And then eventually, finally, those entities integrated. Mm-hmm. And I was fully conscious and aware of everything that was going on. And I see that happen with Wanda. Yeah, where she is yeah. fully integrated, where she does face what she's done and she recognizes what she's done. And when she has to face the townspeople, you know, um, and and she's trying to figure out how she can keep the space where she hides from her trauma and also live in the world as it is, you mm-hmm. know, um, and stop doing damage to people, you know, and. Um, this as a metaphor for trauma, I have found to be so incredibly effective, and um, it's it's funny because I don't know if I would have seen how like dead on that trauma metaphor is if it hadn't been for my own personal experiences mm-hmm. of it,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, I had never understood it before I experienced it.
0: Yeah, it's um uh I I have had. Some traumatic realization, like Mm -hmm. realizations of trauma over the last year that aren't tied to the pandemic. I think that also primed me very much to see that part, Mm -hmm. especially the part where uh, dealing with your trauma badly traumatizes others. You know, um, Mm -hmm. that there is uh, that there's a conversation to be had about the fact that Wanda has to traumatize the hell out of an entire town in order for her to deal with her stuff. She's not in control of that. Through mm-hmm. at least the first half. She's not even aware, yeah. let alone out she of control. Does, she's
1: not aware of it, but she doesn't know how at that point. Yeah.
0: But but still, all these people's lives have been hijacked and ruined. Like, they're going to be. Yeah. No one wants to live in Westview after that. Like, that was the first thing I thought was I'd be moving the next day. Like, how could I look at that well, town? yeah ever again. And what's
1: what's going to happen to your property values and everything you've invested <laughs> in that town? I right. mean, their you know, their lives are seriously shook up. And yeah, I mean, and I think that that is also a, a so, oh god, Wanda is the villain of the piece. I mean, she really is. Like yes, Agatha is also there. Agatha is also a villain, but Wanda is causing like the most damage. You know, the yeah. most like psychological harm that she's doing to all these other people. She doesn't realize she's doing it. She doesn't know. Um, and there is a, there is a, a, a balance between holding somebody accountable and holding them responsible. You know, she's yeah. accountable. Yes. She does have to, but like at the same time, she's doing this out of such a, an intense experience of grief, you know, um, that she's trying to work her way through. Uh, I, I find all of that so incredibly beautifully complex um throughout this story um i don't know i mean do you see her like i i think she is the villain of the piece she's doing all of this damage you know well, but I, she's but at the same time she's not you it's know, an internal conflict to. right she doesn't want to oh this is so absolutely she's an internal conflict story from beginning to yeah. end yeah no definitely i mean well, we, no, have, because, we have uh, because secondary protagonists, protagonists Protagonists and antagonists are different from hero and villain.
0: Yes, absolutely. They don't
1: necessarily line up. Um, and she is our protagonist absolutely throughout the whole thing. She is also her own antagonist mm-hmm. absolutely throughout the whole thing. Uh, we have other, you know, areas in which you know we we love to have our big fight at the end. And in <laughs> order to do that, you've got to have an externalized uh, antagonist, which we do with Vision, having him fight himself, which is Hello. a load of fun. Fight himself and then philosophically debate with himself. I Famous. love. Fantastic. That he stops the fight, he wins the fight by debating philosophy. That's awesome. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but uh, but all of this, like you know, I mean. I think Wanda is the villain, but she doesn't mean to be. She's a sympathetic villain. She's somebody she's so incredibly vulnerable that we can feel and understand her pain while at the same time still holding her accountable for the pain that she is causing other people. I mean, my God, that one on Halloween, that woman who just stood there like moving her hand, not doing anything with that one tear going down her face when he woke up his uh, co-worker and the coworker is horrified, you've got to stop her. You've got to stop her like deep inside underneath this veneer that she is forcing them to behave like they're happy. They're terrified and horrified and living through just a hell. Um, and, uh, and that I find the fact that they're not happy and we allow them to be tormented like that, even though she's our protagonist that we allow mm-hmm. that complicated moral space for her. Um, I love that. I love that they didn't pull punches with that.
0: No, it's really, it's really strong. In fact, it's so strongly nuanced that I've been seeing some really good conversation about whether or not Wanda did what she should have done for the people of Westview. Right, like, right. I, you know, one side is no, she owes those people quite a lot. She hurt them very badly, and and mm-hmm. I think that's true. But also, yes. how do you fix it? You can't undo what it. What do you do? There's no aside
1: from. It. Aside from leaving them alone, I think that the only thing you can do is leave them alone. Yeah, stop like, traumatizing. Not be present. Them. You are the source of their trauma. Get the hell away from them. Like that's the only thing that you can do. You know, and the, um, the flip yeah. of
0: that that I that I saw people mention was as soon as she realized fully how much she was traumatizing people, because again, she is. For the most part, our viewpoint character, even when she's confused, like we have some other, you know, uh, Monica, of course, does some of that. Um, Right. But Wanda's very much our viewpoint character. I don't think we're being lied to as the viewer when she is horrified to discover that her nightmares are bleeding over into these. She's not doing the right thing, but she thinks that she's making them feel good and happy and safe and is horrified to discover she's not. And the the sort of flip of the she owes these people something is yeah. as soon as she realized the damage that she was doing, she removed herself from the situation. And this is the part that I really like as a person who holds all the privilege cards and mm-hmm. then went away by herself to figure out how to never do it again.
1: To think about what she's done. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, which Strong I think is, is a really big deal. Not to mention the fact that, like, she has to she. Created all this trauma and created her children mm-hmm. and her husband and brought him back and had this life. And then she has to kill essentially her children and her husband. In order to give them back, you know, in order to undo or she can't undo the damage, but stop to hurting stop people. the damage yeah. and making that choice. That is a heroic choice. Mm-hmm. That is sacrifice, you know, um, and yeah, it's the only right thing to do. And yeah, the vision that she made wasn't really vision was kind of vision was maybe vision. You know, I mean, that's Everybody's a question vision. we're going to get. We are all vision. we're going <laughs> to we are all vision. We're going to get to that in just a minute because we have a huge philosophical discussion to be had about about vision um and monica the thing that i i love that moment at the end too where monica says if i had the power i'd do it mm-hmm. you know like who who among us when experiencing that kind of grief if we had the power wouldn't do that yeah you know yeah. and like i think that it's it's an understandable offense um and uh, and that's what i love so much about this is that we don't make them all happier than they were. It's a depressed town. Like, when you, she drives into that town in the first place, I mean, her, you know, house is pulled down to the studs. Like, there's <laughs> nothing left. It's all, you know, just basically a blueprint in the ground. Um, The entire town looks like it has seen some shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. rode hard and put it's away a town what in I decline. believe is what this town is. It's a town in decline. And she brings it back. She makes it nice. She does, you know, so she's she thinks she's doing right by these people taking away their autonomy is not okay, but she's not thinking about that. She doesn't even realize that she's done it for a while, but I like that despite the fact that, you know, she made the town nice. They're like, not happy, and it's not okay, and even with their shitty lives, whatever they were before, that was at least it was theirs, it was theirs. you know yes, yeah. yeah, um so I like the fact that we um we've really made her responsible that we didn't pull those punches in in her culpability um in in what was happening there, and I like that a lot,
0: yeah, yeah, the the nuance is great, the idea that Wanda is both uh antagonist and protagonist and then separately is villain but rarely if ever here i mean i think we get a heroic moment in the end but that's it we get a heroic moment in that
1: final choice we get a heroic moment but that doesn't make her a hero
0: no no i mean it's yeah and and so we've got some ancillary villains and ancillary heroes but Mm -hmm. she's really yeah it just stays pretty centered on on her Um, yeah yeah, it's fantastic very good stuff
1: it's so so good so I've talked a little bit about the aesthetic um, because I am completely in love with the how faithfully like in the first episode when he goes through the door and then drops her on the ground that is done (laughs) I mean it's done with our current technology but it's trying really hard to look like the kind of thing they would have done you know in bewitched or something you know Um, I love those effects I love the way that the the choices made in how things are filmed and how um, everything, how the the stories are written uh, live so faithfully to the aesthetics of these particular, you know, family comedies um, throughout the years. Um, but you had some things to say about the costuming <laughs> as part of the aesthetic. I would love to hear your thoughts on
0: that. Well, I have, as longtime listeners will know, some feelings about superhero costumes and code yes. names Mm -hmm. That the MCU, okay, so I don't think it will be a shock to anyone to discover that the MCU is a little embarrassed of its source material. (laughs) Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Why, until now, has Wanda never been referred to as the Scarlet Witch, despite the fact that that's what all of her toys said? Like, <laughs> you know what side the bread's buttered on by how they sell it right. in the store, but they don't do it mm-hmm. in the in the movie because they're a little like, Scarlet Witch sounds kind of goofy. It's a fucking yeah. superhero story. You better own the goof. There's a guy named <laughs> Captain America over there, and his name is <laughs> Captain America. And that guy is Iron Man, and that guy cannot say his name unless he puts the Mighty in front of it. Okay, (laughs) these guys like they they need costumes. And and I have mentioned specifically Wanda's mall goth look as being Mm -hmm. particularly egregious when it comes to costuming. Like, Mm -hmm. so when we got to the Halloween spooktacular. Yes. And she comes down actually wearing the comic book accurate original flavor Scarlet Witch outfit. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I love this. This is great. I mean, I don't expect them to actually use that as her costume, but I was like, right. mm-hmm. uh, I just sat there for a moment and imagined the MCU that wasn't ashamed to put them in costumes. <laughs> you know, because. Well,
1: then a vision comes down in his. Was that how vision originally looked? Were they both. That's how he still looks. <laughs> well, I mean, not I mean, not
0: like boxing. He had you know, makeup boxing shorts over and, the red. Yeah. yeah, but I mean and that, that, and that the, color the scheme—the red
1: and the
2: green—like
1: mm-hmm. the actual values of the red and the green are, are you know a little a little updated in the actual vision that we get in the MCU. Yeah, but not
0: in his, a way that yeah. I like. I mean, seriously, yeah. this is a real. I had like I had to stop the show with my family mm-hmm. and go. I'm sorry, I need a moment because <laughs> he is wearing you know the goofy version of his of his comic book look um which again has largely been his look other than when he was white um even mm-hmm. when he's been upgraded or something it's still largely yeah. been that look and later on when he kind of gets to the edge of town and like phases out of it so that the the mm-hmm. he goes into his regular costume i was legitimately punched in the gut like i had a depressed reaction emotional reaction to that shift
2: mm-hmm. Um, Wow, And I mean,
0: I wasn't sitting there super married to his goofy version. It was just Mm -hmm. when the color shifted, I was like, oh, that's actually that's actually important. Like the fact that Mm -hmm. this the fact that the MCU is ashamed of primary colors, I think, is a detriment to it as a whole. Um, Oh,
1: interesting.
0: And I think it's particularly a detriment in the area of. Of costuming, honestly. Mm -hmm. The fact that when they do go for a costume, it usually looks like... Like Captain America looks like a SWAT cop that's been painted red, white, and blue. That's not Mm -hmm. great. Like that's not... That is... I I don't need them in spandex. I don't Mm -hmm. need them in spandex. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was just... I really had to have a moment before I could continue the show. And then I was inspecting that feeling because it was just such a balm to my heart to see them actually look like superheroes. And same thing for yeah. uh, for Quicksilver. That's Quicksilver's mm-hmm. usual, including the kind of like sweet look to his hair.
2: Yeah. Um, uh-huh. That's
0: how Quicksilver dresses most of the time when it's not mm-hmm. in green. I don't understand the green. Let's just not talk about it. Thank God they didn't put yeah. that on the show. But yeah, just this <laughs> big reaction when he shifted back. And I was like, well, I knew it was garbage the day I saw it in Age of Ultron, but that just confirmed mm-hmm. the hell out of it. And all that to say, we get to the end with Wanda's costume. Yeah. I love that she has an actual code name. Although, again, my God, we will twist ourselves into pretzels. <laughs> it
1: took oh, a while to get there. There's a yeah. fucking
0: prophecy for her to be the Scarlet Witch. Honestly, guys, mm-hmm. just put her in <laughs> Is red. Is that
1: not part of the comics? No. She but just calls herself prophesied? the Scarlet
0: Witch. Because she wears <laughs> red and does magic hex shit. <laughs> It's a long right. time. It is a long time before she realizes that the mutant power she's using is magic. So uh, she just calls herself witch because it's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's just an aesthetic choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do really appreciate that at the end, we have an actual honest to God Scarlet Witch costume. And yeah. she better fucking come out swinging in Doctor Strange, calling herself the Scarlet Witch. So I really <laughs> like it. At the same time, I feel like... um. Uh, it's, it's honestly, I don't know. I I can't name colors very well. It's, it is more scarlet than red, but I think it's more like dried blood scarlet. I'm like, you guys can turn the saturation up on this outfit, like a little bit. We could actually (laughs) have some red in it. Well, Um,
1: all of the colors are a little bit muted. They're a little desaturated, you know, like generally in all the costuming and, and MCU. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Right.
1: I mean, with the exception of maybe Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, but even then you watch him Mm. shift from red and blue to red and black, Mm. which is technically how his original costume was. But I don't I didn't care for it as a shift because Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, finally, somebody's in primary colors. And it's a superhero costume, which is also, you know, a side note. I didn't love that it was full of Tony Stark bullshit because I was like, just let the guy have a costume. It's Mm -hmm. okay, They're superheroes. They wear costumes, you know. (laughs) Um, That said, I really do like her outfit. I do feel like it Mm -hmm. could have been a little more red. But, I mean, there's a lot of really great – just a lot of great stuff going on in it. Um, The two things I like particularly – they make that crazy headdress that she's had in the comic books really work. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And
1: oh, I love it. I mean, I love her outfit. I love her red leather jacket. I love the fact that it is that. Like, I like those muted colors. I mean, probably I don't have the association and that long history with uh, traditional comic books that you do. You know. Um. So I, I kind of like those colors. The, the bright, bright colors are a bit much for me. They feel, um. They take me out of. I mean, and and this sounds uh, patently ridiculous as the words in my head are forming. They take me out of the reality of it. Like you know, it makes it feel less less real um, to me. I actually Uh, think that would
0: be better for the MCU if it felt felt a little less real. Because how many times have we talked about the fact Mm -hmm. when it falls apart? It's because they expect us to treat this. Too real problem in a ridiculous manner. When if they yeah. would just turn the ridiculous notch up a couple of points on all fronts, mm-hmm. the whole thing would work much better. And interesting. You know, I th- I think I've you know, that's not that is not news to longtime listeners, but I, I think <laughs> that's shown here, right? Like um <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm still thinking about this, but I saw mm-hmm. a really interesting opinion that mentioned uh what one division is doing is so similar to. And also very different. So let me let me finish mm-hmm. the thought. But one of the things that WandaVision is doing is extremely similar to what the Aquaman movie did, which was mm-hmm. to take this very not superhero take on the character and make mm-hmm. it more superhero-y because the not very superhero take was not fucking working. Mm -hmm. like we know what works we've got 40 years uh longer for aquaman (laughs) we know what works and this this like we turned the knob down too low quick let's do a reset so Mm -hmm. um there was one other uh uh, aspect of her costume that i thought was spectacular at the end if you look at her choker um Mm -hmm. vision's forehead gem is not there it's missing but it would fit perfectly Mm -hmm. She is. Oh
1: my goodness! She is oh remembering God. Vision. right over her heart. It's missing the stone. Now you're going to make me cry again. Don't do that. It's <laughs> yeah. rude. Um, all right. So as we're talking about color, uh, I think we can go to what I like to refer to as RGB versus grayscale vision, um, <laughs> and the vision of Theseus. Um, first of all, I have to say. I don't know if I can express how much I love in a, you know, in a universe, in a cinematic universe, in which everything essentially eventually boils down to I punch you in the face, you punch me in the face. Um, We have these two versions of vision. That are in this wonderful, you know, for for at least a short while, this doppelganger fight, mm-hmm. you know, and then they sit down and resolve it with a philosophical discussion about the vision of Theseus. I friggin loved it. I loved all of it so much. I love that, the, you know, we have him returning. Well, OK, that's a question I wanted to ask you, though. All right. They have this whole discussion of the ship of Theseus. Do you want to describe, you want to explain the ship of Theseus? I mean, anybody who's watched this should know because they, they explained it really well in the show.
0: That's true. And also, not for nothing, we've specifically referenced this, I think, in terms of um, of We've Death talked Lock. about it before. I mean, yes. like, you know, mm-hmm. like when. At what point? Okay, well, all right. At
1: what point? Right. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. so for sh- uh, ship Theseus, you have Theseus's actual ship. I always heard this as left on the beach, and it was a village that yeah. was celebrating it. But in in the show, it's in a museum. Whatever.
1: It's at, in a museum. As yeah. time
0: progresses, the ship falls into disrepair. A plank is rotten. They remove that plank and replace it with a new plank. Uh, at a certain point, you do that. So long. Mm-hmm. There is no part of this ship of Theseus that is part of the original ship. Is it yeah. still the ship of Theseus? Mm-hmm. That's the question. At what point have you changed a thing so right. fundamentally that it's no longer that thing? And I think this is a spectacular conversation to be have mm-hmm. to be having with the vision because as we mentioned when we were doing this with Deathlock, like in a very real way, all, I, I think I think we looked it up. It was it's a seven to 10 years, something like that. Every cell mm-hmm. in your body is new, like every seven yeah. to 10 years. So I am essentially we are a, all of us a, a brand of new me. Yeah, every yeah. time. Never mm-hmm. mind the fact that I'm not very much like the me from a year ago, and I'm even less like the me from five years ago, and I'm, yeah. you know, unrecognizable to the me of 40 years ago, right? I mean, yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's a, it is a worthwhile conversation to be had about your own self even when you're not staring at your literal doppelganger
1: Exactly an externalized version of you um, but it's really interesting though because we have that moment where RGB vision right reaches <laughs> over and touches grayscale on the uh, on the head and imbues him with memories right But RGB only has memories going back to the moment that he first appeared. He didn't remember anything prior to that with Wanda. He just knew that he loved her. He just knew that he was with her. They were just married. Um, I'm I'm a little confused as to what exactly it was that he was able to give Grayscale Vision.
0: So what he says, I literally just watched this this morning because I was trying to watch yeah. it a second time, you know, because I had some ethical questions that yeah. I wanted some answers mm-hmm. for. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wanda's vision, RGB vision, mm-hmm. says yeah. – They can't erase your memories that easily. And so I think what he really does is kind of do a hard reboot. I don't think he gives him anything. I think because
1: transferring. Yeah, no, no, no. I
0: think he basically um, removes the firewalls, you know, that were that were put there by sword so that he could become like they very specifically limited uh, grayscale visions memories, as he says, Mm -hmm. to control him better. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it was just the reset. I don't think it was a giving uh, because mm-hmm. that whole thing of, is it the memories that makes us or is it the way people feel about us that makes us who we are? Like that's the, who's the yeah. real vision? Yes. Right. Both. I've Neither. Everybody. Uh, right. We're yeah. all, here we are. We're what all vision.
1: What is it? <laughs> exactly. We're all vision. Um, it's such like, I, I love them asking that question. I think that that question was implicit in the situation regardless, but the explicit, you know, going into the ship of Theseus, that uh, these these extended fights that are in all of these movies, during which I usually just get really tired, to see one of these punch-punch-kick fights turn into a philosophical discussion after which... Uh, the two opponents are now unified in purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and and philosophy. Uh, or at least I unified
0: in their own confusion, right? Like, yeah, to a certain degree, they don't know.
1: Yeah, and they'd say that they don't know. I don't know. And I I love, I love that so much. It's honestly one of my favorite things that has ever happened in a Marvel property. No, you know, because yeah. I get the fights bore me after a while I, my eyes start to cross i'm like yes there's lasers and people doing all sorts of like the effects are good and everything but i'm just tired of seeing people getting hit in the face with hammers you know um i i love that this was resolved with a philosophical discussion um and and then a gift you know yeah. from yeah. from one of the opponents to the other um that and then and then uh, you know grayscale vision just goes off and then we have that beautiful moment of goodbye which i'm going to Frickin start choking up just talking about (laughs) it Um, when they say goodbye to their children and then they're Mm, together and then, you know, he says, we have said goodbye before. So it stands to reason that we'll say hello again. And then they just and he just disappears. And it's just so touching. It's so wonderful. And then I think, well, you know, grayscale vision is out there getting a paint job as we speak, you know? So, <laughs> but he's like, not
0: the vision yeah. that she made from her love. We don't know how much he remembers. We don't know how much grayscale vision remembers but he's, or um, his emotional but he's context the physical. for it. Yeah, that's right. why I love this, is that her meeting it's grayscale so later yeah. doesn't actually necessarily fix anything.
1: It doesn't, but I mean, my God, no, like, it's what wonderful. an incredible moment to have this, you know, here is, I mean, the he is the physical body of the man that she loved, but is the man that she loved gone? Is he just gone? Like, I mean, all of that. And if we are, if what we are is just simply the sum of our memories, you know, if somebody puts different memories in us, you know, like... The fact that we have those experiences has ceased to matter if we don't remember them. Um, There's so many interesting philosophical questions that are posed by this story, and I absolutely love it. Um, But I think that one of the things that's just like, I think, I don't know if it's one of my favorite things, is freaking Catherine Hahn as Agnes, Agatha. Yes, indeed. All of that. She, first of all, her as an actress, she's amazing. I love her in everything, everything I've ever seen her do. She has just nailed it. And this, it was so much fun when I saw her as the neighbor. And I was like, oh, quirky neighbor. Great, you know, Perfect thing for Katherine Hahn. Yeah. But a little light lifting for, you have Katherine Hahn. Like, you know, what's the line from Good Place? You don't buy a Ferrari and put it in the garage, <laughs> you know? like, um, And it was funny because until she had the turn, I, I was like, oh, I thought she was just the quirky neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, the quirky best friend. Um, so let's talk a little bit, I guess, um, about Katherine Hahn and how wonderful she is and then move into Agnes slash Agatha.
0: Yeah, well, I love her. She's the sensational mm-hmm. character find of 2021.
2: Yes, uh, mm-hmm. Agatha
0: is. Uh, I can't wait for her to show up again. Uh, if it's not in this next Doctor Strange movie that Wanda's also going to be in, I'm be madder than hell just I because be I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. Shocked? I know if she's it's not, not going it. to. I don't think it's. I don't. I, I have... She has to be in it. I have resisted going to see if she's listed in the credits on IMDb, because I'm just going to wait to know for sure if I should be mad or not. They
1: might not, put her, <laughs> they might not put her on there, though. That's a bit of a spoiler, especially now. So I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, no,
0: spectacular. Yeah. I, I, I have mm-hmm. not had as much experience with Katherine Hahn like I knew who she was, and I liked her before. But mm-hmm. I mean, from the moment she shows up, I I, yeah. I really think... I uh, I definitely – it might have been episode two, but I really think it was episode one. I literally turned to my wife and I was like, why are we pretending like this is anybody's show other than Katherine Hahn? Exactly. What are we doing exactly. here? What are we yes. doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so mean, she's great. just
1: there chewing that scenery every minute that she's on screen. She's fantastic. And she's she's yeah. doing –
0: some extremely even before agatha just as agnes she is doing some extremely subtle things in this broad mm. caricature because she's always the goofy neighbor yeah but she is different as the 50s goofy neighbor versus the 70s goofy neighbor versus the 80s goofy neighbor like the, it's still agnes but it's also switched up for the type of sitcom it is it's pretty yeah. subtle considering how broad the the character archetype is
1: Mhm. Well, in that moment too in the 80s, right, when she comes in and she says, "Do you want me to take that again?" Yes. You know. Um and I I was always like, "Why? Why is Agatha as that was because she was trying to nudge she wants Wanda to remember so that she yes. can figure out what Wanda's yes. secret is." So she was trying to nudge her cuz when I first watched it, I'm like, "Why is she doing that?" But then of course, she was trying to nudge her out of a, out of the dream, out of the, you know, um, out of the trauma and into reality so she could figure out where her power source was. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually I have a little in question
0: moment. where I'm like, yeah. not sure that Wanda would have ever realized what she had done if Agatha hadn't been there as a spanner in the works. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I think she well, would have stayed. no, because –
1: it, no, but vision did. Vision was starting to unravel it and not just because of Agatha. I mean, he um, he like woke up that friend at
0: work. Ah, but um, we're, we're several episodes before. in right mm-hmm. by that point. Like like looking at the first episode, which is definitely an episode is where the
1: first weirdness that, that he notices, is it Agnes?
0: The first weirdness that anybody notices is when the boss starts choking. Right. And, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Hart is is both laughing and begging her to stop. But but right. But is begging Wanda to stop, which is really yeah. interesting because we don't know very much
1: we don't know that at the time and and deborah joe rupp too also by the way uh you know kitty from that 70s show she is absolutely fantastic i love her so much and it was wonderful to see her too
0: absolutely yeah that the casting for her tremendous Mm -hmm. but then vision is also staring at her and cannot help the boss until wanda says vision help him i think that if these wrinkles that drew attention to the cracks Mm-hmm. Now I'm mixing metaphors with wrinkles and cracks, but you get That's what I'm right. saying. If these Go for it. slight errors, if these mm-hmm. these things hadn't cropped up, which we are textually told was Agatha all along,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think she ever would have come out of it. Like she Wanda would have stayed subsumed in the unreality mm-hmm. because that was the point of the spell. It's only yeah. when Agatha shows up and starts like poking at the soft parts and and mm-hmm. you know causing the the boss to choke. And now because that would yeah. never happen in the or if it did happen in the 50s sitcom, it would have been this, you know, like super broad slapstick thing. And instead, right. this is a horror movie moment. Killing
1: the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Killing the dog. So
0: anyway, that's the, the
1: dog was a construct, though, right? That wasn't a real. Dog, I don't want right? to think too
0: hard about it. Actually, no, <laughs> I think Sparky was real. I think Sparky was real oh, because no. it makes Agatha more evil.
1: It does make Agatha so, a lot more evil anyway yeah. that's
0: that's sort of aside from Agatha, but there there is like a little yeah. conversation to be had about it, uh, you know, whether she's the villainous or not. If Agatha hadn't showed up, they'd all still just be doing their thing. I think I
1: don't know about that. I think the vision I think the vision was gonna get. Onto things at a certain point, anyway. I think that he was he was figuring things out, um, and which I find really interesting. But yeah, I definitely think that Agatha is a villain. She is not entirely antagonist. Uh, it, it is internal. Like the the structure is based on the internal antagonist yes. story yes. with Wanda and her versus herself. At the end, we have an external conflict between Agatha and Wanda, but Agatha is. Um, until we get to the point where Agatha is trying to take Wanda's mm-hmm. magic, Agatha is walking her through her memories, helping her process her trauma for her own ends, you know, and not in a nice way, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, but she's doing that. She is in actuality helping Wanda yeah. during that process, you know, and uh, but doing it for her own. ends. Behold more um, nuance, yeah.
0: right? I yeah. mean, she's obviously... The, a villain, because Hayward's also a villain, yes. but I mean, she's yes. obviously one of the villains, but mm-hmm. through most of the show, right. she's being helpful. like uh, Well,
1: it's it's a bad person doing good things because it fits whatever their objective is, in the same ends, way yeah. that we have a good person in Wanda doing bad things because it fits, you know, um, what it is that, that she wants. Um, and that, uh, just that... Nuance and complexity in itself makes this so interesting. Mm You know, because we have a bad person accidentally doing good things, a good person accidentally doing a lot of really, really bad things. Um, and what makes you good and what makes you what makes you good and bad is your intention. But yet your impact remains positive or negative, And you're still accountable for that.
0: Well, that's a philosophical you know? conversation you and I have had on this show also, because this was Absolutely. my big argument against Vision being worthy to pick up Mjolnir. He's 10 minutes mm-hmm. old. He's never done anything. <laughs> he hasn't
1: had a chance. Exactly. Because the thing is, is that everything that you are is in your choices and the choices that you make, you know? And a lot of those choices may be made with the best of intentions, but it still comes down to your choices. I think not believe that more important. That it's, yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, I think that intent also does matter. You know, I mean, I think that intent matters. I think that it doesn't matter more than your impact. You know, but I think it does matter.
0: Okay, little. This is a conversation that has actually been going on in my house. So yes. here is my little mm-hmm. bit of philosophical thoughts on impact or, or outcome versus intention.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you earn the right for your intention to matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, for okay. instance,
1: I like that. Mm-hmm.
0: I, you know, I'm in a marriage, right? Yes. Uh, we have been married for a very long time. The vast mm-hmm. majority of the time that we've been married, I have had my wife's best interests at heart. <laughs> so when I do something that inadvertently hurts her, I can go mm-hmm. and say to her, "I'm sorry that I hurt you. I did not mean to. It was not my intention." Yes. The impact is what matters most. She gets to choose whether my intention matters or not. And I'd like to believe after, you know, 20 years of me largely having her best interests at heart, that that's where we would land. She would be like, I understand. I'm still hurt, but I'm not as hurt. As I would have been if I thought you had done it on purpose, right? This is or had done it
1: without caring, or yes. without caring.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. that's really where I've landed because I honestly, both in superhero universes, particularly, but also in the real world, I think your impact matters more. I think the outcome matters mm-hmm. more than your intention. But you can, mm-hmm. in relationships, work to a place to earn where your intention matters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that. Yeah. That is where we have land. Well, at least where I have landed in these conversations with my family, literally like in the last that. couple of weeks, and not entirely because of Wandavision, believe it or not. <laughs> uh,
1: right. I like that. I actually think that is really interesting because I do think that there is a lot of nuance uh, involved in that, and that um, if your intention is good, you will examine the impact of your actions before you do the thing. You oh, know, you so like hope. there is yes. some of that, right? Like that is definitely. Um, um, I think a big part of that um, at the same time like I know that people who um, hurt me accidentally without meaning to versus people who hurt me either carelessly or even deliberately like my experience of that is is very different and I actually use this as an example um, when I teach my storytelling class mm-hmm. um, is that the because in the end it's what it means that matters like we are meaning seeking people like if I I fall down the stairs and break my arm. My arm is broken. It is physically broken. I have to go. I have to get taken care of I'm in pain, yada, yada. If I get pushed down the stairs by somebody who I love and who I trusted, who has just like betrayed me, um, and then my arm is broken, that is with the exact same, like the exact same physical mm-hmm. experience, the exact same physical healing, all of that. Um, my emotional and mental experience of that is so incredibly different um and i think that there is um the there is impact that happens it, at the you know physical reality level and then there is um emotional impact um the what it means mm-hmm. you know um because in that instance you know i've not only hurt my arm but i also have have discovered and i'm grieving somebody who i thought i could trust yes. who I, it yeah. turns out i cannot you know um, so it is an additional harm, I think, that happens with intent. Um, so that is a really interesting philosophical discussion. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's really interesting. That's definitely a question I'm gonna be thinking about more. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit um as I have spoken to my friends in the LGBTQ community and they have told me all these wonderful things about how great uh WandaVision is um as a queer narrative, even though we don't really have queer representation. Um, within, uh, you know, like the, the openly gay character that we've had in the MCU was the nameless guy <laughs> from Cap's group that went on a date and the MCU wanted a cookie for that. And no, you don't get a cookie for that. Um, but as I've been, you know, kind of talking with people and, and looking around, I've, I've heard stories of Wiccan, um, one of these boys who uh, apparently in the MCU is a gay character. Is that correct?
0: Um, yes, Wiccan is Tommy, more or less it's com- yes. it's this mm-hmm. is one reason I'm not discussing them it's somewhat complicated but yes mm-hmm. um uh tommy become his su- su- well his second superhero identity is Wiccan, which is not good but it's better than the first one we're not going to go into it uh <laughs> is um not only openly gay but he is in a very loving homosexual relationship with one of the Yay. other members in the young avengers he and hulkling yeah. are a Couple and have been almost the entire time that there have been Young Avengers. So
1: yeah, oh, I love that. I think that's wonderful. Um, I found a wonderful article written by Daniel Reynolds at The Advocate called "Why Queer People Love WandaVision's Agatha," and it is so thoughtfully written and well-sourced that I'm going to read one little quote to you, and then I want you all to find it and read it because I'm not stealing Reynolds' amazing analysis, which include the connection between witches, witch hunts, and gay panic, and the queer community's love of camp, which is Reynolds' assertion. I am staying out of that, but I think that my favorite part of the article is this one quote. He writes, In the absence of protection from law and society, magic is also an attractive defense weapon, one Agatha refined over hundreds of years for survival. Her awe at Wanda having so much power but using it for comparatively small and selfish ends leads her to tell her, here you are using it to make breakfast for dinner. Anyone who has encountered straight people with untapped privilege can relate. Um, I love this article. Uh, There's a million brilliant things that Reynolds uh, comes up with. So I highly recommend it again. Link will be in the show notes. Um, And, you know, and that brings to mind the couple trying to fit in in a place that Mm -hmm. is not made for them, that is not made to accept them. And Wanda's suspiciously specific denial in an attempt to keep her cover. I assure you, I am married to a man, a human one and tall. Right. It's so great. It's so great. So um, while I am not qualified to do a big discussion about the queer read of the show, I wanted to throw that out there to tell you guys to go look for these brilliant pop culture analysts who are doing some amazing work on that. Um, I would also recommend Slayer Fest 98's uh, WandaVision discussions. Uh, They have recently been doing that. Ian, of course, is uh, Ian Carlos at the the, uh, head of that show, and he does it. um, His co-host, Kirsten White. Also um, on Slayer Fest are just wonderful, wonderful people. Loads of fun. Incredibly smart. I would definitely recommend that. All right. So uh, one thing before we wrap things up here today, I want to talk a little bit about the commercials uh, because I absolutely love them. They are not all Hydra products. We have a Starks toaster in the beginning, mm-hmm. but a lot of them have um, Hydra, you know, um, uh, insignia on them, and they're, like, directly from Hydra. Um, I I think I loved all of them, although the Nexus side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting <laughs> your truth, seizing your destiny, and possibly more depression. Uh, Nexus, because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it? Mm. Like, I love all of those commercials. What did you think about the commercials in there? Did they, did they have a lot of fun easter eggs for you as a comic book fan
0: so i really tried to watch this show not looking for easter eggs at all Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. because as we mentioned in our hiatus episode like some of Mm -hmm. the stuff that's making me tired when it comes to talking about the mcu is that so often we don't get to just talk about the damn thing we have to talk about what it's doing or leading into or you know whatever Mm -hmm. i mean uh um in more than one time, I have mentioned I was worried about WandaVision being too tied to the next Doctor Strange movie instead of being its own right. thing. I was wrong, mm-hmm. thank God. But, you know, yeah. here we are. Um, so I, at first I wasn't – I was just really trying to, like, let the whole thing wash over me. And really, um, I I think I kind of – in as much as there's something to air quotes figure out, I think it took me the second Viewing to really do it like uh-huh. some of it's really obvious Nexus we're dealing with depression and that and that the cracks in uh, the cracks in Wanda's unhealthy way of dealing mm. with her depression are starting to show which means you're going to have yeah. to feel your feelings you're going to have to live in your truth and you're probably going to be depressed more right some of them are obvious. Yeah. But yeah, yes,
1: I, I love Lagos paper towels. When you make a mess, you didn't mean right. to. Right,
0: <laughs> that one was pretty obvious. I was like, "Well, yeah, you yeah. sure did kill some people at the beginning of Civil you War.
1: Sure did. Yeah, not
0: on purpose, but oopsie poopsie. Not on purpose, but um, yeah. but like we couldn't have known what the deal was with Stark's toaster until we saw the missile flashback. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so I really like how every single one of those directly responds to either Wanda's past, like how she got Mm -hmm. to where she is in WandaVision or what she's going through in WandaVision. It's that, but they're subtle. Like, you know, in the first episode that that's supposed to mean something, but you literally can't know until like episode seven, what it's supposed to mean. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's not a fucking mystery box, right? It's just (laughs) experience the story. I love right. this that, mm-hmm. big fan.
1: I thought it was really, really great. I loved it a lot. And I also want to do a call out that the music uh, was by Christoph Beck, um, who some of us who are big Buffy fans will remember him from uh, from doing the, the Buffy music, specifically the song uh, Close Your Eyes, which was the Buffy and Angel theme that <laughs> the killed me existence. at the end of season two. Yes. To this day, <laughs> if I hear that music, I will just spontaneously start weeping. I cannot help myself. Uh, so Christoph Beck, I think, had a really, really good music uh, work done here. And I enjoyed that a lot. Um, Also, you know, yeah, we've got some good twists happening within this story. Often I complain that uh, twists often require lying to the audience. And then if you go back and you watch it a second time, the evidence is not consistent because Mm -hmm. they are actually trying to mislead you. Um, And I think that with Agatha, there's nothing that she does as agnes that is inconsistent with who she is and what her goals are at the end um and uh, and the other twist that that wanda created vision you know um and that she did not steal his body she just created him from her grief and at the end when she says you are my hope You know, um, you are my, my, and most of all, you are my love. Like all of that. What am I, you know? Oh my God. All of that. So wonderfully done. But yeah, I love that she did steal him and that Hayward is just looking for the secret that he needs to make vision real Mm -hmm. to, to bring back this weapon. Uh, When she comes to see his body and he says, he's not yours. You know, well, then who's the fuck is he? You know, Um, like, you know, it's it's millions of dollars of vibranium. Fuck you. You know, Um, so I hate that dude at that point, of course. Um, And uh, it's just it was really nicely done. And, uh, you know, hats off. I love it when you can go through, watch it again, and everything is consistent.
0: In fact, on my second watch through, I realized that there were some clues not yeah. huge clues, but some real subtle stuff, to the effect that this vision is not the same as the other vision. It's yeah. really impressive. It's really impressive. And even the places where Agnes seems to break down as mm-hmm. a character is one hundred percent Agatha fucking with her. Like it's it just Absolutely. the whole thing works. It's delightful.
1: Yeah, and you know, we we kind of miss talking about Agatha's backstory. We get a bit of Agatha's backstory mm-hmm. in this. We get her as a witch, right? Um... And what I found really interesting about this and I, I wanted to get your read on this is that we have moments like she's being we see her in the 17th century being dragged to the stake by the coven of witches. She has betrayed the coven by stealing knowledge to which she does not have a right, um, which I find really interesting mm-hmm. because in the end, you know, she's like, you have the power you don't have the knowledge and that the knowledge is essential to being able to use your power properly, which is a thematic idea that I really like. Um, and so we see her And she looks, you know, not just scared that she's going to die, which I think at that point she must know she's not. She must know that she's going to pull their power from them into her. That, you know, seems to be her plan. Um but she does there are moments where she does seem really genuinely hurt like she's really crying mm-hmm. you know um and at the end when um when scarlet witch takes her back there you know and she's reliving that and all the witches are coming up from the dead you know um and then of course letting scarlet witch know who she is you know um <laughs> there there are moments where it does feel like she is also like genuinely hurt and traumatized by that. And it's not an act. I'm wondering like, how much do you think is, is that nuance? Is that, am I just reading something that's not there? I'm not. Or is it just acting? Is Agnes just acting? Agatha.
0: I'm not sure if we can textually answer this to our satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I don't think we get enough Agatha. Like, um, right. Like even in that scene, I don't know. I'm of two minds on it. Like I think that she yeah. thought she was gonna die, and then all of a sudden she realized she could actually siphon off her coven's power. Like I I, I see can't I feel like decide. it was a plan. I
1: feel like she got caught because she knew she could siphon their power. See this But is then the th- when it was her mother, right? Yeah. You know, who was you know, that felt real.
0: I yeah. See, that's I don't think we can put it to bed. I think we need to know more about Agatha before we can say. She's clearly a self-interested character. Like She's clearly a a person who has decided to deal with her disadvantages, her weakness, through strength, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily a bad idea. But clearly, she's prepared to steal life and power to do it. Um, I'm not sure how much this Darkhold has anything to do with the Avengers Darkhold, but the fact that they're like, it's the Book of the Damned. I'm like, yeah, clearly she's prepared to look into some dark spaces to make sure that she's never the powerless party again. And that Mm -hmm. puts her in a villainous space, but- yeah, we just I just don't think I know enough and I w- this is part of why I think she's the sensational character find of 2021. I would like more Agnes, please. I would like more Agatha, please.
1: I love I love that nuance and it is definitely not in the text. It is in the performance. Yeah. But I mean she must I think she may have been told to perform that. And yeah. I love nuance and complexity. It's all over the place. Um all right, so Joshua, here we are at the end, nine episodes of WandaVision. What is your favorite part?
0: It's been Agatha all along. <laughs> I like—I mean, from the very first time yeah. Catherine Hahn comes on screen, I was like, this is going to be, I, I hope she, I, I mean, first episode, I was like, I hope she's in every episode. Because I didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. she's, yeah, just amazing. She's my favorite part the entire time. As Agnes in different periods, as Agatha, there is just no moment that I am not loving everything Catherine Hahn is doing. Lonnie what about yourself what's your favorite part
1: oh my god just that moment of goodbye with Wanda and Vision and we've said goodbye before so it stands to reason we'll say hello again I love that moment Um, it is it is so beautiful and so heartbreaking and I just weep through the whole thing but it's really
0: really good If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. Lonnie is at Lonnie Diane Rich and I'm at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is Listen Up a
1: This episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by the Chipperish and Pulp Diction Producers who support us on Patreon at the Power Producer level. These people are the reason why Listen Up A-Holes is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our Power Producers, Stephania, Shelley, Rose, Jonathan, Alice, Kristen, Sarah, Christina, Erica, and Abigail. Thank you, producers, and to everyone who supports Shipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions. This message is for you. The world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it?
0: To find out how you too can support Shipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, our Patreon links are in the show notes. Other ways to show your support? Write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or feel your feelings, confront your truth, seize your destiny, and possibly have more depression.
1: Thanks so much for joining us for this special episode of Listen Up Aholes. We are going to be going back into hiatus for the moment, but keep this line open. You never know when we'll be back. Until next time, what is grief if not love persevering?